Good day from the middle of a cornfield in northern Iowa, where Jesus is king and the Bible is our rock. This is the Simply Christ podcast, where we discuss the simplicity that is in Christ. I am your host, Leon Martin. Join me now as we discover even more of the truth that will set you free, one doctrine at a time. Well, hello, and thanks for tuning in. This episode was recorded last Sunday, February 16th at Howardville Fellowship, and I was preaching out of Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 25 on what the law does and does not do. Take a listen. To my trophies at last I lay down. Uh, What a beautiful song. I always love that song. Just a worship song, isn't it? We all... uh, we all have a trophy in our lives, don't we? We all have something, we all have captured some kind of a thing that we're proud of. We have all captured something that, we, that is substantial to us. And uh, I think we should maybe evaluate and see whether that is a trophy that's worthy of carrying around. Because trophies weigh a lot. Some of them are big. Some of those trophies really slow us down in uh, what really matters, actually. But we do have a trophy uh, that is not heavy and much, much grander. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He is the one that made available this rest that we've been hearing about. That trophy, may that trophy always be in front of us. May that always be our goal is to elevate and carry that trophy around proudly. As if that were the one thing that really mattered in our life. Because truly it is. It says there, oh man, I just, I love Hebrews 4. That is such a great... <laughs> you can read Hebrews 4 and then you can lay down and go... Oh. And fall asleep and sleep the deepest sleep you ever slept, knowing Hebrews 4. I mean, it's not the total of Christianity, because it's not the total of the Bible. But it brings peace. uh, I was struggling with uh, Romans 7, where I'm going to be preaching on the the last part of Romans 7. And that is not a peaceful chapter. It's quite the opposite, actually. Uh, so this this uh, opening is a wonderful opposite of Romans 7. I just uh, says there that uh, in, in uh, Hebrews 3:19, so we see that they could not enter in to this rest because of unbelief. There's one thing that opens the door to that rest. Opens the door to the bedroom where that bed lays, where you can rest in peace and joy. There's one key, and his name is Jesus again. And our faith in that name makes it possible for us to partake. Uh, you know, that, that peace, that peaceful bed of roses, <laughs> or whatever you'd say, has been, has been uh, made, manufactured uh, 2,000 years ago. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we are laying in that bed. A lot of us aren't. 
uh, if you take Christianity in general. A lot of us are not taking of that rest that has been provided. It says in verse 10, 410 there, For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. When God was done creating, on the sixth day, he sat down, it was finished, he had put into motion every tree that ever lived, every animal that ever lived, he had set into motion, he never created anything ever after that sixth day. That is the kind of rest that we have. There is nothing more to do. Everything, I mean everything, has been established when Jesus came. And when you believe on Him, your righteousness has been bought in full, paid in full, and it's finished. Done deal. Man, if that's not beautiful, I don't know what is. Thank you for coming today. And uh, it's always good to um, be among people that want to hear God's Word. And, and uh, it's always uh, good to study uh, God's Word and, and, uh, and maybe uh, bring it out, uh, teach it. Because uh, in the teaching of a subject, there is a lot of uh, things that you learn yourself. It's always a blessing uh, to do that. So with that, I'm going to read... Uh, Romans 7, verse 7 to the end. I know uh, the last time I did the first part of 7, I read the whole thing, but I'm going to read uh, Romans 7, 7 through 25. It says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. For then, excuse me, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in the flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that, when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, 
which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. In, uh, above verse 7 in your Bibles, is there a little heading? Your Bibles have that heading just right above verse 7? What does it say? The struggle against sin. Is that what it says? Yeah. The law and sin is what mine says. Mine says the Christian struggle. <laughs> that's, that's, not the, that's, not the, that's not what he's talking about. But uh, I'm just going to back up a little bit and get a running start into this thing again. Uh, Romans 6, if you remember, went through and told us our position in Christ. Like it talked about being baptized into Christ. That's what Romans uh, 6 talked about pretty much the whole way through. Uh, Romans 7, uh, verses 1 through 6, uh, talked about that, that marriage, that uh, that analogy that he had, that illustration that he had with the husband and the wife, the first the one dying and then you being married to the other. Um, and I just want to run over that uh, real briefly uh, again to uh, um, remind us what, the, what the, the biblical truth is. This isn't going to seem true to your experience, but this is what Jesus said. This is what God said. Um, that... Uh, it says, um, I'm just going to read a few in there. Uh, for, the women, uh, for the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. Uh, so then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. So in other words, the illustration to uh, uh, make it simple is that we were uh, married to the flesh, um, but that flesh died, and when that flesh died, we were married to something new, uh, to the second husband, which is Christ. They happened simultaneously. You were not uh, partially married to one or the other. That, that, that uh, simultaneously happened that we were no longer married to the first husband, uh, but to the second one at the same time. When you lost the one, you gained the other one. That was, that was simple. When, you, uh, when the flesh died in Christ, if you read Romans 6, you died when Christ died on the cross. And when that happened, uh, when, when you died, um, you became married to Christ. That's your, that's your bride now, or whichever way that, that is. So... Uh, so that is, the, that is the fact of the matter. But you see, uh, Paul was dealing with the Jewish people here. And they were religious. They knew the law to the fullest extent. And to these Jewish people, as you know, uh, the law was uh, dear. They knew it was the holy word of God. And they treated it as such. So this thing, so Paul's suggestion that this law was incapable of producing godliness was just crazy to them. They thought that to be ludicrous. They just didn't think that would be possible at all. It would be in direct violation of God's only actual word, the law itself. 
So he had to convince them that this illustration that he just gave about being married to Christ now is going to supersede or is going to not only uh, come alongside the law, but that this law, in that, you know, it was given to produce godliness, but it didn't work. And that is the case that he is making uh, in the rest of Romans 7. When, it, when uh, chapter 8 starts, we must remember uh, that these uh, references that we call chapters and verses were not part of the original text. These were just put in there uh, later in order for us to be able to find a certain part of the Bible. We understand that, right? This is not, God didn't necessarily put these in there. So sometimes they're out of order. I personally think uh, 7 should have started in Romans 7, 7. That's where the chapter should have started because that's kind of a different, uh, he's, he's making a totally different point or, or uh, the first six verses of seven actually go more with Romans six. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Just so that we understand that um, what our Bible is called a Christian struggle or whatever, this is, this is kind of, he's going back now and he's explaining to them the inadequacy of the law. He, what he is going to do is in the first, uh, from verse seven to verse 14, in those seven verses, he is going to explain what the law then does. If it doesn't bring godliness, what does it do? And then from verse 14, or 15 through 25, he's going to tell us what the law doesn't do. So just to kind of simplify this thing and put it in category, we like boxes where we can put things so that we can understand them. So with that, it makes a whole lot more sense and it helps us to understand what Paul is talking about when we read this. So, so that's uh, what we're going to do. We're going to deal with uh, Romans 7, verse 7 through 14, kind of, uh, first. But before we start, I want to talk, a word, talk about a word called a matrix. Have you ever heard of the word matrix? Anyone know what the word matrix means? I would have never sucked this out of my own tongue because I didn't even know what the word is. <laughs> but I heard someone teach, and he used this word matrix to explain a part of this. Um, a matrix is the beginning or the source of life or of something. Like, so in other words, the matrix of color is black, white, blue, red, and yellow. There's five colors. And from that matrix of five colors springs all the other colors. They come from that. The matrix of a hair, for instance, you can cut your hair off. You can cut your hair off right at the skin. But as long as you leave the matrix there, the root, the follicle down underneath, then it'll spring back. The matrix of the hair is the root or the seed of that hair. And as long as that is there, it'll spring back. Your fingernail is the same way. You can, you can uh, tear your fingernail off. And as long as the matrix is there, way down in the root of that, as long as that's there, it'll grow back. If you take that out, it won't. That's what a, that's what a matrix um, is. Like the womb is a matrix. That is the matrix of human life. That is where it comes from. That is the root of humanity. That is what a matrix is. Now, so, so uh, the matrix of the flesh is flesh. It's just bare bones simple. There's nothing fancy about it. The, man, the spirit is of the spirit. The same thing. And what I'm getting at is 
that matrix is always the same. It never crosses over. Spirit never produces flesh, and flesh never produces spirit. It is two completely separate things. Uh, in the same way that, you know, the matrix of color can never bring forth hair. <laughs> it's a matrix just the same, but it doesn't cross over. It's the root, of, and from that root springs forth. See, that's what God put when we were talking about when God rested on the sixth day. Within that, He didn't create every tree that ever lived. He didn't actually create every vegetable, uh, every, you know, corn stalk. But He produced the matrix from which springs life forever from that on. And then He rested. The rest, the rest of it kept going in motion by the natural reproduction of it. Life, whatever it is. So that's what a matrix is. So I, the, what I'm getting at, again, is that spirit is always spirit and flesh is always flesh. Flesh always produces the works of the flesh. <laughs> always. Death. The lust. Envy. Hate. Murder. Strife. That kind of thing. That always is produced by the flesh. And uh, the same way, the spirit always produces peace and joy and love. That is what it does. That is how that works. So with that in mind, I will go ahead into uh, the verses here a little bit. Um, Matthew 7, uh, 17 and 18 say, Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. There again, it produces whatever's in the root. Uh, Galatians 5, 16 and 17 say this, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. They are, uh, it says, so that you cannot do the things that you would. They are totally separate, totally things. They're lusting, they're warring, they're fighting against each other uh, all the time. Two separate things. So, what does the law do? What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had known, for I had not known lust, except the law hath said, Thou shalt not covet. So you're cruising along uh, down the road one day, got your radio up, you're just jamming out to a really good song, you're worshiping the Lord, you've got it turned way up, and you're just cruising along enjoying the song. All of a sudden you roll into a town and the first thing you see in this town is a big sign that says maximum decibels in this town is 45. Decibels. You know, and you kind of, all of a sudden you're like, what, what's a decibel, you know? And you start thinking about this thing and, and all of a sudden you're like, decibels and then you at 45, well that's pretty quiet, you know, so you grab hold of the dial. You turn it back up and off you go, yeah, now you know what a decibel is. But you know what just happened? You became aware of something, and because you are aware of it, now it wanted to condemn you. And it made it within you spring out something that you were totally unaware of before. See, before you saw that sign, you did what was comfortable in your own idea. And it would never occur to you that it might be sin. That's what the law does. That's what the law does. We are just cruising along, living our life. And all of a sudden, someone says, Thou shalt not envy. And you eyeball this thing sideways because you're like, Envy? You know, see, it's kind of hard for us to grasp this concept because we were born into this, not at the beginning. 
You know, we have always kind of known the law, most of us, you know. That's how we grew up, we were aware. So it's not, this was uh, just some kind of a natural part of us, but this, you know, if you really think back about it, had we not a law, we had no idea of what was right or wrong. We became aware to sin only after we actually saw the sign, Thou shalt not sin. Now all of a sudden it produces a problem. Because the law says we should, so we start looking around on how to do this then. So it says don't turn it up over 45. So we get a decibel reader and we get all this thing and we put it in there and we look and see what it actually is and we try to now uh, convince ourselves and find the ability to keep it under that 45 decibels, you know. Even though we really want to run a radio at 60, you know, or whatever. I don't even know what decibel is. I'm just using that as a... But you know, you get the point. That's, that's the, that is how the flesh works. The flesh, not the spirit. So that is what the law does. Uh, verse 8 says, But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. See, it says, uh, taking occasion by the commandment, so, so sin, when this commandment came, this law came, now all of a sudden, sin had a handle with which to manipulate you. It says, so sin took this commandment and wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. So because as long as the, as long as the uh, law was away, the sin had no... Power. It had, it, you know, it didn't, it couldn't do anything to you because you didn't, you weren't even aware there was a sin. Uh, but if we go back, uh, verse five there says, um, "For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, see the law activated the motion of sin in us. That's what the law did. It was on purpose. It didn't surprise God." when the law activated the sin within us. That was strategic. He knew because this, this was a desperate need that we had. It wasn't just a gift. It was a desperate need that we had to know our sin for what it was. We needed that. We still do need that. Then it says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came... Sin revived, and the commandment, uh, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto, unto death. So Paul says that he realizes that this law was ordained to life. You see, later on we'll hear uh, about how the, the law is spiritual. This law within itself is, is a spiritual law. It came from God. It's righteous and holy and perfect. You know, everything within the law is straight from God. It says, uh, which was ordained to life. It was made for life. But I found it to be unto death. The reason being is that the law activated that sin. So it brought within him not life, but death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. See, um, if you would think, 
and this is still logical, common sense thinking today when we think about it, um, that, that this commandment, a, a good, healthy, holy, righteous commandment would be just what we need. Right? I mean, so we, we start thinking about having church, you know, and the first thing we want to think is, how could we make a nice, clean, crisp commandment, commandment that everybody can follow? You know, it lays on us to bring, make sure that it's pure and has clear outlines so that we can follow this thing. But, it, but this is what Paul says. He said that commandment deceived him. It tricked him into thinking that somehow he could follow and do this thing. But when he started out following and doing this thing, he died. It didn't work. Still doesn't work. Still doesn't work. It's the same way still. It said it slew him. Pavel Babcock. I don't know if any of you know any of his uh, writings or not. But he has some good books. He's an English writer. And he writes a story. And I don't know if I shared this before or a while ago or not. I kind of think it's in the back of my mind that I did. But that's all right. It's a good story. He wrote a story about, in England, they would go quail hunting. Him and his buddy. And on this one highland meadow, there was quail everywhere. And this farmer had a farm. It was his farm. And they, had the, they could hunt there. They had uh, permission to hunt this farm. But the farmer's uh, son came back from wherever he had been and started hunting this meadow. And he had a deadly accuracy. They would, they would be hunting up there. And once in a while, they'd meet and they'd talk. And they'd hunt together for a little while. And every time a quail flew up, this guy would boom, and it would drop. Every time. He had a double barrel. You know, five would fly up. Boom, boom. He'd get them both. And they'd look at his little old rusty 16-gauge. And uh, they were like, they went home one night, and they sat down and said, Man, we got to stop this guy. He's going to shoot all our quail. This guy's deadly. He, can't, he, can't, he just shoots them all. You know, if he keeps on hunting, he's going to clean that nice meadow uh, where the quail were the best hunting that they have off. So they got tricky. One day they met him up there on the meadow. And Havila, when they had met this guy, he was also hunting during the season there. And uh, Havila said, uh, boy, you can really shoot that gun. That's amazing. I wish I could shoot like that. You just hardly ever miss, you know. And then he said, hey, uh, can you tell me, do you shoot with one or both eyes open? Or the left or the right one? How do you do that? That's what's really, what really wonders me. And uh, so he said, oh, you know, I don't even know for sure. Well, here, let's go hunt for a little bit, and I'll shoot one, and uh, then I'll tell you which one. And so they go a little bit farther, quail flies up, boom, boom, misses with both barrels. And he didn't shoot another quail for a long time. He couldn't hit the things anymore. And that's exactly... <laughs> That's exactly what the law does. You know, all of a sudden we get our focus off on this thing over here. And we look at this thing and we study this thing and we completely, you know, it, it consumes us. So it's just, uh, I just thought it was a, a pretty interesting uh, story. Uh, how that uh, the, uh, the law awakens the motion. See, that question awakened something in him and took the focus away of just shooting the quail.
Pretty good analogy. That's exactly what the law does. It awakens us to something else. He's a good story writer, by the way. If you, got, if you want any, it's all hunting stories. Have a look back. Verse 12. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, worketh, working death in me by that which is good. That sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Kind of a big verse there. Uh, but, uh, so this law uh, had a, a, a strategic purpose, like I said before. And it is to bring out, that, uh, bring out the sin and to cause it to look exceedingly sinful. That is what the law did, and it did it very well. Um, it, it brought up, you know, we start studying ourselves um, to see whether, when, so, so this law has been planted uh, here, this law, this, we see this sign. You know, now all of a sudden, it's, it's the same way with that decibel sign in that city. Every time we drive through that city, what do we focus on? The song that we were worshiping to, or the level of our radio volume. It's just, it's just how humans work. You know, if that, it, it's, it's a design of God. That's how, we, that's how it does. But that's exactly what the law did to sin. It brought out the impossibility of walking righteously. Working death in me by that which is good. That good, righteous, and holy law brought out the death, was working the death that was in him. By, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So the law is spiritual. Back to that word matrix. Everything that comes from spirit is, is spirit. It's truth. Um, so everything that is in the law is spiritual, holy, righteous, perfect. But we are carnal, so there can be no connection. You know, this, this flesh is carnal. So, the, so even though the law is righteous and perfect and holy, it can do us no good because it's of a different matrix. We don't understand each other. We can't work with each other. Do you understand? Like the law is righteous and holy. It's a spiritual thing. But here we are carnal. And it doesn't, we don't, we can't, the gears don't mesh. It's two separate uh, size gears. They don't, they don't fit together. One doesn't work with the other one. So that is basically what the law does. Um, and you know, and it's nothing new, but it's kind of interesting to go through and pick out some of those things. Um, so that's what the law does. The law simply aligns within us that sin that we are hoarding. Makes us aware that there's a sin, that there's an issue. The rest of us are going to talk about what the law uh, couldn't do. And you know, this gets kind of... Uh, you know, it's like back and forth, back and forth. That what I want to do, I couldn't do. That what I could do, I didn't want to do. You know, that kind of thing, uh, back and forth. But we're just going to read uh, through that and, and a few comments. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. 
For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Uh, so, so he knows what to do, he just can't do it. He doesn't know how. I touched on that the last time a little bit. Um, so I want to uh, go back and just draw back away a little bit and get the big, big picture again. See, we are opposing, uh, you know, the, the law and sin. This method, this argument that he's having here within himself. You know, he's, he knows what to do, but he can't do it. That's the quandary that he's in. He just can't, he just can't produce what he wants. The opposite of that is what we learned in Romans 6 and 7. We are married to Christ. We are, we are a new creature. When, when, when Jesus died on the cross, we died on the cross. We are a brand new creature. So, so this isn't saying that while we are this new creature, uh, this is how the struggle is going to go. This is as opposed to living the spiritual life. This is, we're just talking about the law and the function of the law now. Let's not, let's not uh, think that he's telling us that this is how Christian life is going to be. You know, I don't want to uh, go here and make excuses for what the Word says. But we've got to understand that we are, all he's doing here, what he is explaining, is what the law does. That's, that's, the, the whole, that's why I said that, that word Christian struggle or whatever your Bible says about verse 7. That isn't what he's talking about. He's talking about what the law does. Like I said, it makes alive sin. It gives sin teeth. It hurt. It makes sin hurt. Because we know what we should do and we can't. Now he's talking what the law can't do. So back, I just wanted to step back a little bit and draw that. Otherwise, you get into this thing and like, oh my goodness, well, what's controlling who's... You know, which, you know, is it the black dog or the white dog? And whichever one's the strongest is going to win, that kind of thing. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about what the law does and doesn't do. Okay? That, that's kind of important maybe uh, to help us. Uh, so he just says that uh, to will is present. You know, he wants to do right, but he can't. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it but sin that dwelleth in me. I find a law then. When I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law after the inward man. Again, you know, you can, you can see there, uh, back to the matrix again, he delights in the law uh, after the inward man. His spiritual man, the, the new man, or whatever that, that inward, uh, not the outward man, not the flesh, whatever is left, soul and spirit. That delights after the, uh, the uh, law of God. I mean, it knows. And we all know what's right and wrong. <clears throat> but the problem is, we have this outward thing that can't follow that law. It's a different matrix. It's, it's got a different root. Uh, but I see another law in my members. Warring against the law in my mind. There's a lot of laws going on here. And bringing me into the captivity to into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So there's a law in your members, your hands, feet, toes, legs, whatever. There's a law in that, and it says it's warring against the law of my mind. So you remember, you know this this law is uh, is making us aware. There's we know in our minds, the law within our minds tells us that we ought not to be doing these things. 
But these members just walk over here to whatever, you know, to the table where we eat too much anyway. They're warring. Your mind knows what's right. But man, your stomach wants another helping to that steak that you don't need. That's the, that's the war that's going on. And it brings me into captivity to the law of sin. Those members warring against the law of the mind bring him into captivity. Trap him in the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Question mark. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Question mark. He knows. He's just writing it down there. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Period. Period. There's a period there. He's done. That's it. Right there. So, again, going back to, you know, he just got done explaining this war and the thing. Now he told us who shall deliver me from this body of death. And it's Jesus Christ. So let's not get that confused. We know that's why I said the opening was such a blessing uh, to this text because it, it brought out the, the rest, the, the surety that we have. This, this, uh, this text, it just tickles me. and I hate it, but you read the commentaries and every commentary that you read is going to have a different explanation of Romans 7. Almost every one of them. Because they can't decide whether Paul was talking uh, in verses, uh, you know, 7 through 20. Whether he was talking about pre before his new birth or after his new birth. Or, you know, to all them things they argue about. And that's not even the point. He's talking about, like I said, about the law. Anyway. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And I'm going to close out with a couple of uh, <coughs> verses out of 1 Corinthians. And I also want to uh, <coughs> comment a little bit on uh, Romans 8 going forward. Uh, so, so he has now established um, what, what the law was meant to do. Remember he was talking with the Jews that held the law in high... I mean, that was the thing, was to know the law. And, you know, so they had the Ten Commandments and... And all these other laws, then they would add these to make sure that they don't even get close to touching this law. I mean, this was one of their pets. This, this, this law was something they kept in the house with them. This was, they spent more time on the law than anything else. If you read, read find an article on what the typical day of a, of a practicing Jew looks like. And you will soon see that everything they do is wrapped around that law. So it's, it was hard for Paul to uh, explain away, so to speak, the law. So that's what, that, but he did it. But anyway, so, so having made that differentiation now, um, he's going to talk about the life in the Spirit in, in chapter 8 and 9. So pretty interesting. But in 1 Corinthians 15.50 to the end, I think. Uh, I'm just going to read a few verses there to close it. 1 Corinthians 15.50 says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. 1 Corinthians 15.50 <clears throat> Neither doth corruption 
inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this, it, this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when, the, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall we, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. There, there he talks about it again. The strength of sin is the law. So that, that is carried all the way through the Bible. But then it says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a direct differentiation uh, between the, the sin and law and what Jesus did. He gave us the victory. This battle doesn't belong to us. Because when we have believed on Jesus, we have entered that rest. Jesus has become our high priest. There's nothing else to do. It's a done deal. As opposed to struggling with the law and the actions of sin. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor to try to overcome sin by the law is going to fail. That is going to fail. That is a guarantee. God knew it was going to fail. That's why He brought the law. Um, sin was already rampant. You know, if He could have done it without the law, I believe, I believe He would have. I believe He would have. If He, if he could have find, found a way. But the only way was to condemn us and then to make it known to us that we are condemned so that we might be saved. So that we might, we cannot, we cannot uh, find our way if we don't realize that we're lost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Simply Christ podcast, where we are dedicated to simplifying your walk so that you can shine the light of Christ brightly and clearly, not being shadowed by philosophy and the teachings of men. God bless you. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time, good day. Good day.